Welcome everyone. I'm Tim Jamal, CEO of NAOP SoCal. I'm very pleased to welcome everyone to our podcast series where we interview those who shape and drive commercial real estate in Southern California. NAOP SoCal is the leading association representing commercial real estate in Los Angeles and Orange Counties. More than 1,000 real estate professionals and 500 of the top commercial real estate firms in Southern California are part of the powerful NAOP SoCal network. NAOP SoCal provides unique networking, top-notch education, and public policy advocacy for our members. We are very pleased to welcome to the podcast today, John Keisler. John is Director of Economic Development for the City of Long Beach. He has more than 17 years of experience working for the City of Long Beach. Previously, John was the CFO for the Police Department, Business Operations Manager for the Parks Department, Manager of Animal Care Services, among many other positions in the city. John holds a Master's of Public Administration from the University of Southern California, USC, and a Bachelor's, uh, bachelor's Degrees in Philosophy and Religion from St. Olaf College in Minnesota. So John, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. All right. Well, let's jump right in. So tell me a little bit about your background or family background history and, and where you grew up. Yeah, well, welcome and, and thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate all the work that NIAP does and we've done some amazing case studies together over the past couple of years that have really opened our eyes to the potential for Long Beach. But um, yeah, my background is is really uh, rooted in Long Beach. Um, I uh, have grandparents who came out from the Midwest in the 1940s, settled here in Long Beach. My parents met, uh, they went to school here um, and I didn't grow up here, but I was able to come back after going to college and being a school teacher and then getting my master's degree at USC for city management and local government. But it's been really an amazing opportunity to serve the city that has given my family so much. That's awesome. Did, did you grow up in Minnesota? I didn't. I grew up in San Luis Obispo, California. Okay. But because of those Norwegian, Lutheran, Midwestern roots, we still have family farms in Minnesota. That's great. I, I grew up at, I asked, I grew up in Michigan, so I've spent a lot of time in the, in the Midwest. Awesome. Um, so I have to ask right off the bat, how does one go from degrees in philosophy and religion to a career in government service? Well, of course. Yeah. It, it actually is, is much more uh, linear than you might think. Um, I think I got into philosophy because I was interested in you know, the eternal questions, you know, what motivates people and, and, and what's life all about. And as I dug deeper into those questions, um, you know, it really became uh, a journey of, of helping uh, to make the world a better place to do things that I found um, rewarding and, and really metaphysics, ethics, um, obviously play into what, what I do every day in, in government and, and what we try to do uh, to help improve uh, the world around us. So um, one thing led to another, but uh, it's all been a perfect fit. Well, as, as, a, as a taxpayer, we like to hear about ethics and government together. Um, glad, yeah. <laughs> glad to hear that. Not always the case, unfortunately. So do you, do you think your background in philosophy helps you every day? Yeah, ab absolutely. I mean, if you if you go back to Plato's Republic and and the original uh, foundational works in, the, in Western civilization, it was about the Kalopolis. It was about building the perfect city, which was also a reflection of the perfect person. You know, mind, body, and spirit. And and ultimately, 
um, there is a very, very, um, uh, you know, a spiritual thing about public service, which is is about self-sacrifice and doing things for others, even people you don't know, which is the foundation of democracy as well. You go to Washington, D.C. today, and you'll see monuments to people who gave their lives uh, for their country and for people that they may never have met. So uh, yes, philosophy, religion, and, and government are all very much uh, intertwined. So uh, I agree. Uh, and I spent a lot of time in Washington, D.C. and have perspective on that as well. Uh, but but you, you go to USC, you can get an MPA, Master's in Public Administration. And is that what led you to Long Beach, that degree? Was it a, you know, job fair? Was you just looking for work? Or did you did you seek out Long Beach in particular? Yeah, well, it, it's really interesting, because I actually, um, uh, we settled in Long Beach uh, just before uh, I started my my master's degree up at USC. So we were here first, and and really, um, you know, Long Beach, as I, I mentioned, has a has a long history in my own uh, family. And so uh, I was able uh, at USC while I was studying at the Price School, my master's of public administration. I was able to study budget and economic development, and you know, economics through the lens of Long Beach and how um, you know the city where my family was from and and where I lived, uh, how I could apply all of those classes and those, those disciplines to um, the, the city. So it, it actually worked out really well. Long Beach has both educated me and I've educated it through my, my service here. Well, we, um, you know, we appreciate the collaboration with you over the years, the city of Long Beach and, and you know, identifying sites um, that could be you know, reviewed by NAOP or our, um, our young professionals um, or even our students, I think you know we have, we're on, uh, next year will be the silver anniversary of our USC versus UCLA graduate real estate student competition. So we've had a, a longstanding relationship with your, your <laughs> alma mater as well as the the other school, uh, the rival in Brentwood. So it's been, a, it's been a great partnership. Excellent. So tell me, um, I mean, you are, you are Mr. Long Beach, I have to say. Uh, looking at your bio, you um, tell me about the pathway. So you're CFO of the police department, and then now you end up heading economic development for the second largest city in Los Angeles County. Talk about that journey. Of course. Well, one of the one of the neat things about um, local government in, in a city of, of of the size of Long Beach is that. We have, uh, we're one of the most complex corporations you could ever imagine. We have over 2,000 different service areas. Uh, you know, we're not a monolithic corporation where, where we cut across, you know, public safety, recreation, engineering, and of course, uh, economic development. So there's a tremendous amount of, of uh, range and, and uh, throughout my career, uh, because of my general management skills and, and the things that you would uh, use for any sort of uh, business management, whether it's budget and personnel, communications, risk management, forecasting, all that kind of stuff. I was able to to move around every couple of years, um, or I should say, my boss moved me around every couple of years. So if we had some issues, you know, change management, um, maybe a reorganization, maybe we wanted to attack a policy issue in a different way, uh, directed by our council. Um, you know, my, my CEO, Pat West at the time, um, he, he would, he would move me to, to different departments in the city and ask me to dig in with my, 
you know, philosophy degree, but also my, you know, my, my background in, in organizational management. And, um, you know, I'd spend two to three years oftentimes working on um, some of the reforms or uh, in some cases, um, you know, a, a new a new build. And so economic development was a really interesting one because um, it was a time in our city's history where we didn't have a department. And we had uh, cut that economic development function in, in the mid 2000s. And um, I was asked to, to build a new department. So, so you're you're a fixer and a builder. That's it. Yep. And that's where the philosophy uh, comes into play. So, John, people, as you know, 17 years in local government, a lot of perceptions of local government or governments in general, not just local government, state government, federal government. um, Often the perceptions are not uh, very favorable. So what um, what have you learned over the 17 years or so in in government and local government? And what do you think are the the misconceptions that people have? Yeah, that's a that's a really good question, and I, I think well, are they misconceptions? Really... Are they are there are there some criticisms that are justified? Well, I think I think there's always you know criticisms that are justified, but um, like parenting, you really you really don't know about sacrificial love until you've uh, had your you know had the responsibility for your own children, and 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 I think that's the kind of that's kind of how it is with democracy until you've been in the the seat, and until you've been in the the role uh, of a public servant. Um, you know, in between all these competing interests from uh, the political and economic and racial and, and all the things that make uh, this experiment in America so dynamic, um, you really don't have an idea about how it works and how complex it is. So the one thing I remind people is that, um, you know, over the last 300 years, what we're doing in America with a, with a large scale multiracial democracy has never happened in the history of the world. And, and, and in places where you've had so much diversity, racial and, and cultural diversity, they've usually collapsed in some form of, of conflict, war, genocide, uh, and have not been able to survive. Um, that's an amazing thing. What, what we're doing here, uh, and, I, and I'm a true believer, I believe in, in uh, democracy and, and freedom, uh, but also in uh, equal rights and, and life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for all people. So that's rife with conflict. That's rife with negotiation. That's rife with um, deliberation. And so a lot of the misconceptions um, that people have about government is is just their lack of understanding of what it's all about. It's not about speed and it's not about efficiency. It's about deliberation, negotiation and compromise uh, in in a a government where um, all people have a voice. So um, I think most of the misconceptions and criticisms are just a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding about what government actually does here. And I think if people do travel to some other parts of the world and see the struggles and the challenges that those governments are facing, um, it'll change their perception about how how good our government here is in America. Well, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, I often, often tell people go travel to certain countries, then come back here That's and right. see uh, if you're criticisms are still valid. We're still trying to form that more perfect union. And I couldn't agree. What a beautiful description of our country. I think one other thing I would add to that is um, how fragile we still really are. Um, Of course. And I think we've seen that uh, particularly so over the last few years. Um, So you're, let's go, you know, get in the weeds a bit, Um, your department. So you cover all business, real estate and workforce development issues. So 
I, that's pretty unique, isn't it, for, for a city? It's, it's incredibly unique. Um, and the reason is um, mostly because of the workforce development function. Um, as, as many people may know, um, workforce development agencies, we call them workforce innovation boards, WIBs, or, or workforce innovation networks, are actually funded by the federal government on a regional basis. And so in the city of Long Beach, we're very unique in that we operate the federal WIB or the Pacific Gateway Workforce Innovation Network. And um, that represents about seven cities in the region. What it allows us to do, in addition to about $20 million a year in federal grant funding, is really help our, our employers, our business owners, to find the talent they need to grow and succeed. Um, and of course, Long Beach being incredibly diverse economically, we are really, really strong and resilient economically because of the diversity of sectors here. Um, having both the business development uh, uh, in the same department, the same organization, leadership, vision as the Workforce Development Agency allows us to support our companies in very unique ways that you cannot find anywhere else, especially in places where um, there's just a, a regional agency. Um, the other thing, of course, is, is real estate. It's, there's, those are the three legs of the stool, by the way, um, for, for any, um, any, any economy is, is you know, the, the real estate function, the built environment, the place, um, the people, the workforce development, and then, of course, the entrepreneurs and the, the employers. And so we have all three within one department, and it's really organized around a very innovative and creative uh, strategic plan called our Blueprint for Economic Development. So I want to ask you about the Blueprint, but I want to go back to the, I am familiar with WIBS. Um, didn't done, had, you know, done some work with them or familiar with them over the years. I think they're, I think they're changed their name now, aren't they? W Workforce Development Boards and not Investment Boards. I don't know. I thought the, the yeah, vernacular has changed, I think, recently. <laughs> Yeah, so Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act, WIOA, is the federal bill uh, that Congress appropriates each year for, for federal workforce dollars. And those dollars are really directed toward these workforce innovation boards or WIBs. Um, but yes, it's changed from workforce investment to workforce innovation. And um, it's because of the transitive nature of our economy and, and innovation is needed more than ever as we uh, see technology and, and other changes in, in, our, in our economy. So talent always ranks up there, not just in commercial real estate, but in almost every industry sector, talent development, talent acquisition always ranks as the you know, in the top, top challenges businesses face. Do you guys at, um, do you prioritize what sectors um, you're going to focus on? Um, how's that process done? And there are ways that, you know, the business community can engage on in, you know, in your workforce development, uh, uh, you know, matters. Yeah, of course. No, ta talent is uh, number one now uh, in, 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 in innovative modern economies. So Southern California, California in general, it leads the nation in talent production, talent development. Um, one of the reasons it's so expensive to do business here is that the state of California, through its wisdom, the taxpayers have funded the most dense, uh, biggest and most successful publicly funded uh, university system in the in the world, and one of the reasons we have over thirty UCs and CSUs now that produce hundreds of thousands of students uh, per year, degreed students plus over fifty thousand engineers a year, is because uh, talent production and talent uh, is what draws uh, the great companies of the world. And if you look at Fortune five hundred, if you look at the the world's millionaires and billionaires, they're concentrated around talent and around uh, innovation. And so that's one of the reasons California continues. 
uh, to lead the nation in you know uh, gross domestic product over three trillion dollars. This county, these two counties right here, LA and Orange County, have an economy now of over one trillion dollars in GDP annually, which is bigger than the entire country of Mexico, and ranks us among the top ten in the world. Uh, it's because of talent, uh, and so you know companies, capital. Uh, cluster around talent. And that is the number one. It's the most expensive to produce. And that's why our taxes are higher here is because the California economy uh, funds the, the, the ongoing production of talent. Uh, yeah, taxes, that's um, that's a, <laughs> it's a bright line issue for many of us. But I, I agree with much of what you said. I mean, the, 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 educational higher, the educational system here and the higher education system is the best, I think, the best in the world. Um, not just from the UCs and the Cal States, but also the community college system where there's close to 2 million students and many of those go on to transfer to uh, four-year universities uh, in the UC or Cal State system. Um, well, okay, let's talk about your vision and your role. You mentioned uh, the blueprint and that I think was, I think it was recently published or republished, but tell us about this and, and what are the priorities for you and for the city and for your department. Yeah, well, I think um, the simple to, to, to state it simply, our mission is to help people make more money. Um, that's it. Our, we like our, to hear are, that. Yeah, we're designed around uh, boosting median household income per capita income, um, and you know, productivity per capita is 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 about um, education and innovation. That's how. Uh, economies grow. That's how we measure economies. GRP or GDP is through um, the overall growth uh, of the population and productivity uh, per capita. And the way you get to productivity per capita is is either innovation, research, development, technology, or education. So so that's at the center of it. Um, and that is really, really good because all sectors of the economy right now are going through a massive revolution that's um, based on uh, two things, which it's the economy has always been based on, uh, which is the shifts in transportation, mobility, and information technology. And so if you look at the world economy uh, historically uh, over thousands of years, you'll see that the civilizations um, that have, have risen and fallen, whether militarily or economically, they're, they're built on their transportation infrastructure. So they either rule the land or they rule the sea. Um, and then information technology, whether it's the printing press or it's uh, you know the telephone, ultimately um, these, these new information technologies are what moves goods, people, transactions, and the economy. So our, our plan is built on um, you know, education, innovation, in infrastructure, uh, information technology, which means digital, digital inclusion, and ultimately how um, those four key areas or initiatives influence each of the major sectors in the city. We're a city that um, is incredibly resilient. Uh, we build stuff and move stuff. That's what we've been doing for 125 years. And so we've built one of the world's most successful seaports, um, that's owned and operated by the people of Long Beach. Uh, we built our own airport. Um, we have, of course, the rail, the consolidated rail with the Alameda Corridor, um, freeways. Obviously, that's all the infrastructure I was talking about, moving people and, and things. And then, of course, we're, we're massively investing in um, basically our, our broadband plan uh, to extend um, internet access to every uh, business and, and resident uh, in, in, the, in the city so that they can compete in the modern economy. So um, that's what it's really based on. Um, but in addition to that, 
uh, it's maximizing every person in every place in the city from an economic perspective. So um, that means economic inclusion. It means racial equity, because any economy that leaves um, assets on the table under under underutilized assets, whether they're people or places, is leaving GDP on the table. So more, the more people that are uh, participating in the economy in a meaningful way, the more people that have the tools as well as the training uh, to be productive, the, the more we can grow our overall uh, GRP. So John, uh, where does the private sector fit into all this? Uh, you know, uh, when, when you're developing these plans for the city, and how do you how do how do businesses engage? Do you have an advisory board? Do you have public forums? Do you you know what what's that process to engage the input from from the business community? Yeah, that's a good question. So so some of it is structural. Some of it is the wisdom of, of building the process and structure, the infrastructure for ongoing communication. We have a an economic development commission of 11, 11 people. They're experts from different sectors of the the Long Beach economy. Um, we meet with them regularly. They're actually the authors of the Blueprint for Economic Development, and they're going through um, the Blueprint 2.0, which is the plan for this decade through 2030. We also, um, I have 12 to 14 meetings a day. They're almost all with the private sector. Uh, different, 12 to 14 different, meetings a day? No, I don't. Yeah, minimum. Yeah, we, we are highly, highly accessible in the city of Long Beach. I'm accessible to small business owners, big business owners. Um, you know, accelerators, university. Um, so I am. Um, I think the role of government is to uh, create the you know the, the the environment, the platform for the private sector uh, to build. Because no private sector entity, not even a full sector working together, could afford uh, to build roads and build um, you know broadband and build educational pipelines. Those have to be built by the government. So the government is the biggest venture capitalist um, in the world. The United States government invests trillions of dollars each year at the, the federal, state, and local levels in economic development so that the private sector uh, can do what it does and um, uh, basically grow on top of that infrastructure. So that's one of the neat things is that, you know, I look at if you look at any major industry uh, over the last hundred years, one of the reasons in America we've seen such incredible economic growth is the massive venture capital investment of the, the federal government and particularly in California, the way that the state government has continued to invest in um, new industries, uh, education, research development and infrastructure. So that's what we do. And that's how we work together to, 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 to focus those investments on the future of each of these different industries. No, I think you, I'm glad you mentioned, I think people don't realize how much the government has invested in new innovations in new technologies, um, especially, I mean, not just at the federal level, but the federal level investment has been staggering. Uh, and there have been some successes over the years. So the, I'm glad you, I'm glad you pointed that out. Uh, well, let's, let's talk about some things that are in the news. You mentioned the ports and it's something that, uh, we've been following at NAOP SoCal and in our members, and that is the supply chain crisis and the bottlenecks at, at the ports of Long Beach and LA. They've gotten a lot of national attention. I think uh, Secretary Buttigieg was out here. President Biden's been talking about it. There's been a lot of national media coverage on the bottlenecks and the supply chain crisis. I mean, people like us that live in Southern California, we can see the container ships lined up at the ports. So what role are you playing in, in trying to find a solution to this supply chain crisis? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, I think um, the, the great news, I love to see, you know, lines of, of people or uh, lines of, of, of ships waiting to get in. Uh, if there's a great restaurant, there's going to be a line, right? And that's a sign that there's demand. So the demand in this domestic economy is, is is absolutely massive. I think we're over you know 23 trillion in in GDP, and and people are spending money, and and our money is going all over the world for these products, and and further, you know, further influencing the development of those countries uh, because they're tied to the United States economy and the United States consumer. So first thing is is that that's wonderful. Um, Second, it's wonderful to see them lining up uh, outside of Long Beach. Um, you know, Long Beach, the people here who dredged these ports, um, who, who paid uh, for the development of these, these ports, whether it was a military port, now a commercial port, uh, were visionary and built the infrastructure of the future. And now we know we have the only uh, uh, widest, deepest, most automated port um, port in, in, in at least the West Coast of, of North and South America, probably the entire uh, North and South American continents. And that's why everybody's trying to get in here. Um, now, the fact that the acceleration of, of, of really um, the global supply chain, the acceleration of, you know, the ability to manufacture, to, to to ship, to, to buy products from around the world. Uh, it's, it's, it, that technology always accelerates faster uh, than the infrastructure, which takes 10 or 20 years to build. Um, as an example, we just finished the Long Beach Container and Terminal. It was grand opening uh, last month. And that was a 10-year project, a $1.5 billion project funded in cash by the by the city of Long Beach. With, within uh, a matter of... of of months of completing that, um, that $1.5 billion terminal was leased for $4.5 billion. So to give your commercial real estate people a sense of how valuable, how innovative, and how forward-thinking the city of Long Beach is, that's why those ships are lined up, is that we're building the stuff. That new bridge, that $1.6 billion bridge we just finished, again, we paid for that, the city. because We needed to go higher and wider to get those super ships in the door. And I'll tell you this. Even if uh, you know we can work out some of the kinks with regard to you know manufacturing, supply, demand, and 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 the shipping and, and transportation of goods, we're still going to only see demand increase, and we're only going to see um, the demand uh, to put more containers on bigger ships. Uh, so we're going to need bigger, wider, uh, faster, and more automated uh, infrastructure. So is that the solution? I mean, you know, I think you mentioned demand is going to continue to increase, and. Um especially consumer demand and what is it said 40 percent of goods movement in the u.s comes yeah. through these two ports i, I believe yeah, of course. um is is that the I, you know people i know there's been there's a movement to ask the governor to declare a state of emergency and really to suspend some of the you know regulatory uh burdens that are on 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 businesses i mean where where's this where's the is there a short-term solution and a long-term solution, or is it just one, you know, a comprehensive yeah. solution? I, you know, it, it's interesting because this is not a government problem. Um, this is a private sector problem. Remember, all of the, the beneficiary cargo owners are private companies who want the goods. All the shippers and operators of those terminals are private sector companies who lease the space, lease the land from the government. So again, the private sector is asking the government to step in and fix a problem that the private sector can't handle which is, you know, nobody wanted to manufacture stuff when they didn't think there was a demand, so they shut down their factories. Then demand increased rapidly uh, when, again, the government introduced a, a vaccine uh, to help um, stabilize the economy. 
And now there's a, a rush of private sector companies to get supply again to meet the new emerging demand of consumers. So again, um, these are all private sector companies that sit on top of this infrastructure. The government is being asked to step in again and figure out how to uh, fill a gap, create a solution or get things going. But uh, I, I think there's an, you know, it's easy to say, hey, there's a regulation here that maybe the government can can waive. Um, you know, usually what that means is, yeah, we want to stack containers next to a neighborhood. We want to stack um, containers and run trucks uh, through people's neighborhoods, which are also private residents and private individuals uh, who live here. So, you know, I think I think ultimately uh, there's a there's a there is a misunderstanding of why why this is happening, uh, where the bottlenecks are, but they're largely in the private sector. Okay, fair enough. Well, let's let's switch gears for a second. I think one of the legs of your department is real estate development. I'm curious what what role, what do you do in that? In yeah, that of course. Yeah, well, you know, uh, historically, uh, local governments uh, in California in particular have been, uh, you know, they developed their, their economic development departments around uh, real estate development because they wanted to generate, um, you know, sales tax, property tax, uh, ultimately, uh, maximize the the production and and, and and revenue potential of their their property. Um, that's changed with redevelopment agencies being dissolved back in 2013. We've sold um, almost all of our city owned or re redevelopment agency properties, and so now what we do is um, number one, we help to facilitate deals. Um, we do a, I, I can't tell you I get at least you know four to five. Uh, emails a day of people who want to find property, want to understand zoning, want to know what can be built where, or they just want us to help, you know, find an opportunity site for them. They need access to capital. They need, um, you know, technical assistance, et cetera, or they want us to introduce them, you know, a property owner to a developer or a developer to a capital provider or, or whatever. Uh, but the other way that we really, uh, I think, for, for many people um, are surprised uh, is that since we're a coastal city, we have miles and miles of what's called Tidelands uh, area that, that, is, that is actually um, owned by the people of California, not just the people of Long Beach. But we operate that land on behalf of the state of California and the people of California. So all of our Tidelands lands, um, they can't be sold, but they can long-term lease um, to a private sector you know, office, and, and, and it could be retail or visitor-serving um, uh, entertainment venues. And so we operate, uh, and we, we develop and we prepare those properties just like we do with the port for private sector development. And we negotiate, you know, in some cases, long-term ground leases, and in some cases, their revenue share agreements. But ultimately, we do that on behalf of the public and uh, for to promote economic development and um, visitor access to the waterfront. Well, John, I think you're, I know you have 12 to 14 meetings a day. I think as a result of this podcast, you're going to get a few more phone calls from from our membership, I hope you hope you hope you don't mind. Yeah, of course. Um, so I, I I wanted to ask you about one thing which may not be in your department that has that it's an issue that's come up in a lot of other cities, and it's the business license tax, and it's often viewed as a hindrance to economic development, particularly startups. It's kind of a regressive tax, um, and I know you guys have one. Is there any talk of modifying it or changing it, or do you see it impacting your, especially startup and small startup startups or and small businesses? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so I think um, first and foremost, uh, you know, it's it's super interesting because we receive uh, even 
more than the complaints uh, of people or business owners about you know the city's tax, they they're complaining more for uh, code enforcement or uh, enforcement of of businesses that are not um, following the rules. And 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 because it's a competitive market, you'd be surprised. But all of these rules, um, all of these enforcement activities, were actually. Um, over the years developed by the private sector, people who wanted somebody to regulate the economy in a fair way. And if you want to find economies that are not regulated in a fair way, um, I can give you a list of places to go. And um, there's no referees, there's nobody enforcing the rules or contracts. And so those economies never grow. Um, so we get a lot of, of requests to, to intervene with you know, um, our business licensing and, and code enforcement. But really what it comes down to is um, you know, we have pretty low fees in the city of Long Beach. I'm looking at them right now. Um, ours are significantly lower than um, most of the surrounding areas. In fact, I'm looking at the city of LA right now as compared to Long Beach. Uh, and, you know, I'm pretty proud to say that just as if you wanted to open a restaurant with 20 employees and 2 million in gross receipts, you'd pay about 530 bucks in Long Beach. You'd pay 2,500 in LA. So we pride ourselves in having low, low, low taxes uh, here in Long Beach. But also we um, have a couple programs. So you were talking about startups. So in city of Long Beach, we have a business tax incentive uh, or exemption program. First year business license tax and incentive credits to relocate or expand in Long Beach uh, is waived. First two years business license incentive credit uh, to start up or relocate a small manufacturing business here. Uh, we have an incentive for existing small businesses to create more jobs by providing business license tax incentives equal to four times the tax amount for each employee added. So we've got a bunch of programs that we can work with uh, on a case-by-case basis to help um, small businesses succeed. That's awesome. Well, John, as you know, we, the audience today is mostly comprised of commercial real estate, and we our industry plays a huge role in the local economy in both LA and Orange County. I think we have over 7,000 firms you know, more than 130,000 jobs uh, and over 6 billion in salaries and wages that are connected to commercial real estate. We mentioned the supply chain, local infrastructure, property tax revenues all benefit from commercial real estate. You know, we have, and of course we, if you know, we represent all segments, industrial, office, retail, multifamily. Um, we have all segments of commercial real estate and I, I, I mean, with the exception of what I hear from you today, um, often the relationship, what I've seen since I've come in here as the CEO is the, it's an acrimonious relationship at times or adversarial with local governments. And I guess, how can we go about making this relationship more collaborative with local governments? Absolutely. Yeah. So, so in, in fact, um, you know, Nobody likes nobody likes rules, um, of course, uh, if it gets in the way of, of, of time and, and money. But the way that I think we've been really successful here and we've seen just tremendous, tremendous growth in the total assessed value of real estate here. I mean, if you bought five years ago, you're, you know, the total assessed value for just the city of Long Beach is over $63 billion dollars. It's grown by thirty percent. Um, you know the median the median price of a house over the last five years has grown um, by almost fifty percent. So you know we have a really good relationship right now with we've developed specific plans um, in many different areas of the city so that um, commercial real estate developers uh, know exactly what the the rules are and and they, if they build within those 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 um, 
those rules of the specific plans, it goes faster and they have more certainty. I think also the certainty of engaging with us um, early. We have a really, really good team. One of the reasons Space Beach is just exploding here in Long Beach. And we have now, you know, five or six new companies over 10 billion in market cap that that have come in over the last uh, just five years is because uh, if you meet with us early, we can not only find the right sites, the right property owner, but also get your entire checklist um, hammered out for permitting as well as uh, look for, you know, state um, payroll tax and, and county property tax deductions. So we we are able to work together um, to provide certainty the sooner that you engage us um, because we want you here. We, we yeah. absolutely exist. We'd like to hear that. Yeah, yeah, to attract investment. And, and most people don't know. And I even talk to real estate people all the time who have no idea about, you know, what commercial real estate represents for our economy. It's 20%. When you include both construction and um, real estate leasing and, 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 and purchasing and, and sale, um, it's 20% of our GRP. So it's a major, major sector of our economy when it's all added up. Another number I give people is, of the 25,000 licensed businesses in the city, 10,000 of those licenses are just associated with commercial real estate because uh, you have to have uh, you know, a license with the city so we know right. who's responsible for your property. But that's 10,000 of the 25,000 uh, business licenses are just real estate related. So I know you. I love you. Uh, I'm always trying to incentivize and bring uh, you to, to Long Beach. Um, NIOP in, it has been a thought leader with us. We've done multiple case studies down in the um, the waterfront downtown, as well as in Alamitos Bay with your young professionals group. So we, we are absolutely uh, your best friend when it comes to uh, finding deals and, and getting deals done quickly. Well, that's music to our ears. <laughs> Thank you for that, John. Well, I'm going to put you in the hot seat uh, for a second here and, uh, uh, and not to put you on the spot, John, but politics, as you know, often creeps into city decisions. You have an elected mayor, you have elected council members, you have a commission, economic development commission, I think that advises the mayor and council members. So how do you thread that needle? How do you manage the work when politics inevitably inserts itself into your work and your decision making? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's the reality of democracy. So, you know, ultimately, um, uh, the, there's no way to to avoid uh, politics in a democracy. I mean, we we've talked about that. Um, policy making is is policy by committee. It's by um, all all the interested uh, stakeholders. Uh, you know, providing input. Um, we will never uh, eliminate, um, you know, the right freedom of speech or, or the process by which people from different industries, sectors, private citizens can voice their opinion. And, and I think what politics does mostly is, is slow, slow some things down and create uncertainty. And those two things are the things that, that blow up a performa. I mean, when it comes down to it, you know, if you're a commercial real estate uh, developer or, or property owner, um, you know, uh, uncertainty uh, politically um, and uncertainty in terms of timing are, are what kills uh, deals. And so um, that's the challenge. Uh, so what, what I recommend, again, is, is the way that to, to counter some of the politics or at least mitigate some of the uncertainty um, is education and awareness, um, being present, not just jumping into town and then leaving on one deal, not being an absent landlord, but by being engaged. Uh, if you're a commercial property owner or a broker or any a facilitator uh, of finance, 
um, be involved in our boards, be involved in our commissions, be involved uh, with the economic development department and the council. And really, um, the more time you spend becoming a member of the community and, and, and trusted, the more you'll influence you'll have uh, to create more certainty, um, which is good for business. Yeah, uh, well said. And I think one of the, you're right. Um, it's part of democracy is not pretty. It's not often linear. And I think the more involvement, the better. But you said something, and I think that resonates with our members, is that's certainty and predictability. And if there's that, if that's part of the process, then you're going to have, I think, a better relationship with, you know, our members in the business community at large. And I think that's what that's. I think that's reasonable for the private sector to ask of government, just that you're consistent. Um, well, we're into the home stretch here, John. I, I, I've got only two or three more questions of you. Um, you do, as, as we talked about earlier, you have 17 years in the city. Do you think about, uh, you know, the last 17 years, you, what would you consider one of your greatest accomplishments? Oh my goodness. No, I, I, uh, I, I absolutely have loved my experiences here in the city. Um, but you know, in terms of, of great accomplishments is, is, is the relationships that I've formed, um, with, with, you know, private sector, uh, public sector, educational partners, uh, the leaders of our industries, but also the community members. Um, we've been able to do some very difficult things uh, to establish, I think, a very visionary and innovative uh, a plan for the next 50 years that will shape the future of, of so many families and benefit so many families in the city of Long Beach because of our economic development initiatives. Um, so I'm very proud of that, but I think we've done it. Um, you know, that messy uh, democracy that you were talking about, we've done it in a way where there's a high degree of respect and, and trust. This city is well run, but also uh, run well uh, by the community. And uh, every Tuesday night I see them, um, you know, voice their opinions and every day I interact with them and where you see so much um, disingenuous rhetoric and, and conflict across the country. In Long Beach, I'm very proud to say that we've found a way uh, for the, the, the entire country, if not the world, where we have that incredible range uh, of, of, of political opinion, and we've been able uh, to do it in a way that's productive um, and hopefully a model for the future. Well, John Keisler, one of the good guys in government, Director of Economic Development for the City of Long Beach, it's been a pleasure to talk to you today. Um, uh, I would you advise uh, younger people to pursue careers in government service? Absolutely. You know, I would I would advise young people to, to follow their passion and and ultimately um, to give their you know give their gift in the public sector, but also. Uh, do it in the private sector. Uh, the more that you are able to get the different perspectives, the more you're able to contribute and bring um, bring our country, bring our economy together. Awesome. John, thank you again. I'm Tim Jamal, CEO of NAP SoCal. John Keisler, Director of Economic Development, City of Long Beach, one of the good guys. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Tim. Much appreciated. Well, everyone, that concludes our podcast for today. Please uh, tune in for our next podcast uh, in our series to interview people who shape and develop commercial real estate in Southern California. I'm Tim Jamal, CEO of NAP SoCal. We'll see you soon. Mm -hmm.